If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a habit-changing expert as well as being a book marketing specialist. Derek Depker is a rock star turned seven-time number one best-selling author. He discovered a proven process that took him from struggling author to selling over 75,000 books. Now he shares his process with thousands of authors through his workshops, courses, and retreats, empowering them to turn their passion for writing into a thriving business. Derek and I were contributing authors to the USA Today best-selling book, Write and Grow Rich. So it's really a special treat to welcome Derek to the show. Thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Thank you so much for having me on, Susan. You're a seven-time number one best-selling author. That just blows my mind. And I have to ask, how do you do that? Well, if I have to break down, I was, I was thinking about this. I'll start with saying that there are so many different ways to market books. And what's happened is it actually could get a little overwhelming in terms of all the different things you can do to sell books and to become a best-selling author. I was looking at it like, okay, I am the kind of person who I tend to just be very 80-20. Like, what's the 20% that gets me 80% of the results? So I go, how can I sell thousands, tens of thousands of books without having to do uh, 3,724 different marketing techniques and strategies? And I broke it down. I go, okay, pretty much for every book that I've launched, it's boiled down to just an acronym that I created called Aspire. The main ways to sell books for myself have been running ads. That's now Amazon ads, but it's also the different book promotion websites that are out there. It's posting on social media, which I admit I do not do that much, but still leveraging things like Facebook groups and beta reader groups and things like that to help spread the word. Going on podcasts like this, so that's the P, podcasts and and different publications. Then I think probably one of the biggest ones, and I think it's still relatively untapped for a number of authors, especially indie authors, is the I. I can track over the course of time. I mean, it sure has been well into the thousands of sales have come from, from the I, but the I is influencers. These are other authors and people who have shared my book during the launch. So they'll email out their list about it. And if you think about it, if you can connect with an author who has even just, I'm going to be conservative and say, you know, a thousand people on their email list. If you connect with 10 people who will email your book to their audience of a thousand, you've just reached 10,000 people. Now, not everyone's going to open the email, smaller percentage click, but it only takes, I can do in 30 minutes, reaching out to 10 people. But the time it would take me to build an an audience of 10,000 could take months or years. Then you multiply that, you say some people have audiences of 10,000 plus, and that is probably the biggest leverage point that I've seen that's helped me sell books and, and hit bestseller status was once I really started 
working with influencers, bloggers, fellow authors, and really becoming collaborators. Instead of seeing them as competitors, turning them into collaborators and partners. That's one of the biggest things. R stands for readers, incentivizing and motivating readers to share the book with their friends. And we could get into the nitty gritty details as we go through the conversation, but that's the basic idea. And then E, finally, the other biggest component of selling books is email, building an email list and then promoting to your email list. So if I boil it all down, I look back, I go, that's pretty much how just vast majority of sales have come in. And I created that acronym as a way to summarize the process that if you just do those things, in fact, you don't even need to do all of them, just a few things like influencers and your email list and ads, that's enough in my experience, especially for nonfiction authors to sell thousands and and potentially tens of thousands of books and beyond. That's fantastic. I love that acronym and it makes it so clear and memorable. I mean, I could even shut my eyes and go through what it is right now. Let's pick up on a couple of those things, Derek. Number one is the ads. I'd love you to address that in more detail. You talked about Amazon ads. Yes, we're familiar with that. But you also mentioned that there are other platforms that you use. Would you be good enough and share some of those with us? If you've heard of BookBub, you might know that that's probably the biggest book promotion website out there for like discount books. If you're talking about them sending an email to their audience. If you can get accepted for a BookBub deal, whether that's a free promotion or a discount promotion, that alone, I've had a few BookBub deals consistently each time that's resulted in several thousand sales. Uh, Now I'm in nonfiction, I do personal development, I do health and fitness for those genres, actually even bigger in fiction, at least certain uh, fiction genres. That right away, if you get accepted for a featured deal on BookBub, that can move potentially thousands of of books. But they also have the self-serve advertising platform. And this empowers you to get your book out there whenever you want to be able to promote to their readers. I like BookBub ads. I prefer Amazon ads in terms of I've seen a higher return on investment. Definitely something I'd recommend most authors check out is at least Amazon ads. And then there's also things like Facebook ads. And I'll say for myself, I haven't done as much with Facebook ads for promoting nonfiction books but they definitely have some potential for authors in a variety of genres. If I have to say to only start with one thing, I would recommend the Amazon ads. And the thing to note here, though, is with this Aspire acronym, this is basically how you generate traffic to your book. What I found is probably the biggest key is making sure you have a book that converts. And by that, I mean, when people see it, they want to buy it. And that's your cover. That's your title that's subtitle, that's your description, that's your reviews, all of those things in place. And in coaching authors for the last seven going on eight years, I can say even with experienced authors, I almost always find some tweaks or some things that they can do when it comes to their actual book page that would help them improve their sales. And in some cases, there's very little chance that they're going to make sales until they change their cover or their description. Talk to us more about that. I mean, that's intriguing when you say that. What kinds of things draw people in so that what makes your book so attractive? Let's start with the absolute most important thing that you got to do when it comes to drawing people in, and that is you got to get their attention. How do you do that? Well, typically, if you imagine you're on Amazon, and it could be any book retailer, it could be a physical bookstore. Let's just pretend it's Amazon for now. 
and you do a search for, uh, let's say, business books, or let's say indie publishing, right? Because that might be relevant, or book publishing, book promotion. So you're searching for some sort of book that's going to help you as an author. And as you search for it, now what's going to happen is you're going to see a list of multiple books. And most people, they're just going to skim through it. And they're only really going to see at first the title and the subtitle. That's what's going to determine if it gets their attention. After that, they might see the price and reviews listed there, but primarily it's title and subtitle. Those are disproportionately important, meaning I will spend, especially as a nonfiction author, I might spend more time coming up with the title and subtitle combination and figuring out how am I going to position my book to stand out among all the other books. It could literally be more time and energy going into that than the actual book itself. Now, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration if I think about going through and editing my book and, and all that sort of stuff. But at least in terms of, I can tell you it's at least you know, multiple hours to really hone in on the title, subtitle combination. Because if I drop the ball on that, nothing else I do matters. If you're listening to this, if you have yet to put out a book or yet to put out your next book, that is one of those things that you got to make sure it works. Like the only way to really know whether it works is to test it with your ideal audience. Then the other aspect of that is cover. It's probably not that new to most authors to hear about the importance of having a good book cover, make sure it's professionally designed. One of the things that I see though that can happen is a book can have a good looking cover, but I can't tell what genre it is. And this has happened again a number of times whenever I've, I've consulted with different authors. I look at it and I go, the cover looks fine, but this looks like a ghost story and it's a nonfiction memoir. And I'm, I'm just sitting there going, or it looks like it's fiction when it's nonfiction. It looks like it's nonfiction when it's fiction, or it looks great, but it just doesn't match the specific genre that it's tied to. So the thing to realize is people are making snap judgments, just taking a few moments to skim. And if your book doesn't grab them, right away with that title and subtitle and cover, then probably not going to check out the rest of it. So that's the, the most important thing. One of the things that you just said was test it with your target audience, which is brilliant. And funnily enough, I just put the phone down talking to one of my authors and I said exactly that. I said, I'm not necessarily your target market and nor isn't your designer. So put it out and see what your target audience, what they think, whether it inspires them or not. I love that you said that. Thank you. A couple of things that have come up, one of them have go back to the whole idea of ads and now we're jumping around a little bit. But uh, is there sort of a realistic budget that you could recommend would be something that people can consider? Because I know that one of the things with authors that I speak to is that they often don't plan a marketing budget. So here you're saying invest in ads. Well, what are we talking about money-wise? The great thing about something like Amazon ads is you can run them technically for as little as a dollar a day. Now, what I would recommend is at least a few dollars a day to test out the ads and see that you're making a profit. I'll give an overall number here in a moment for just you know what you want to set aside for marketing a book in general. But for testing purposes, 10, 20 bucks. I mean, that's all it's going to take to start to get some data and see if an ad is performing. If I put $10 into an ad, and let's say I have a $4.99 Kindle book. Okay, so if I sell it and I get 70% royalties, it's about three three something dollars. So if I put $10 into an ad and I haven't made a sale, I haven't made 
$10 or close to $10 or you know, hopefully more than $10 back in royalties, I don't have to keep running the ad. I can stop it. So if you're running ads, something like Amazon ads, you can be pretty conservative with this and you can just run it for a few dollars here a day, check it after a week, and then decide if you need to make adjustments. If you obviously, or if you're making money, you can ramp up what you're spending. And if you're not making money, you make some changes or you can create a new ad. I don't see there being any reason, even if you run multiple test ads, if by the time you're 20, 30, maybe $50 into it, you're not making some money back, then A, you can stop it and you know stop running the ads for the time being. And B, you can go, that is really, it's actually great if you find that out because you go, okay, if I'm spending this money, it means people are clicking on my book page, but they're not buying. I know I need to change something on the book page. And so that can help you actually figure out if your cover, title, description, you got enough reviews and things like that. Ads aren't just about making sales, although obviously that's kind of the primary purpose. It's also a great way to get feedback because you're sending ideally your target readers to that book, people who would be interested in your book. And if they're not buying, that's really good data to know. So you can focus on making changes to your book page before say going out and spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on other sort of PR campaigns and other types of marketing and advertising that might have a, a much bigger investment, which could be a huge waste if you spend all that money to send traffic to a book page that's not converting to sales. How about BookBub? What kind of investment are we looking at there? BookBub, you probably want to invest a little bit more. I don't have a hard and fast number. I mean, I'll do 20 to 50 bucks at a time for an ad campaign. But again, that's because I kind of know my numbers in terms of how it's going to convert. You, know, you can start conservatively again, you know, 10 to $20 budget. You go through that in a day or so, give it a little time, see what your total sales results are, and then decide if you want to ramp up how much you spend based off of, of that. The whole take-home point is you can, for less than $100, test a lot of these different sites, different types of advertising through multiple ads. And only once it's performing or once you're making a profit or at least breaking even, then you can choose to ramp up how much you spend. And at that point, if you can spend hundreds or thousands of dollars a month, but you're making money, then as long as you have the money, it's like you can't go broke making a profit. For many authors, the, the biggest issue is actually getting to spend more, getting to scale up. And then I'll say this, you know, outside of just Amazon and BookBub, if you have for different book promotion websites, whether that's a book above featured deal, which I want to make the distinction, that's not their ads platform, that's their promoting your book to their email list. You get accepted for that. That can be several hundred dollars depending on the genre, but I've always seen, at least from my books and many of the authors I've talked to, they will see that they make that money back. So I found that's worthwhile. And if I'm launching a book, I'd recommend having like 300. So it's probably be an absolute minimum. 500 is a decent amount in terms of an advertising and marketing budget that you have just for getting the word out about your book. I'd like to pick up on the R in your Aspire acronym, motivating your readers. How do you go about doing that? Question is, what would incentivize a reader to want to share the book? Now, this is assuming that they enjoy the book. The idea is you can say, hey, if you, let's say you're doing a book launch, uh, this is something that I did, doing a book launch and it's like, hey, if you enjoy this book, if you share a post on social media about it, take a screenshot, send me an email and I'll send you a special bonus. 
what I'm doing there is I'm incentivizing people to share the book on, in this case, social media. Obviously, you can do this for anything. You know, if you have people, if you send out an email or asking your readers, this is another thing I've done. It's, it's kind of indirect. It's tying the two together. But I've asked my readers, what are the podcasts that they listen to? And so the readers tell me their favorite podcast. So now I know what my ideal readers listen to if they're already on your email list. And then now they're, you're combining the, the R and the P. The R is helping you find the P, the podcast, to get on. The whole thing is less about just the specific tactics and more about thinking from the approach of not just what can I do to sell my book, but what can we do? We as a collective, we as part of this greater community, and also not just what can I do, but who can help me? How can my readers help me? That could be asking for a review. That could be asking for them to share it on social media or in, in any groups and things like that. I don't want it to be spammy. I don't tell people like, oh, you got to go in and tell people all about that. It's very much, it's more of a suggestion in some cases. Like, hey, if you enjoyed this book, you want to share something on social media, great. You know, you can send me a screenshot. I'll, I'll send a bonus to you if, if you did it. But I don't want to press it too hard to where people are trying to do it. I'm not going to be like, go share it in 20 groups and then I'll send you an extra bonus. I don't do that. I want them to do it as organically as possible, if you will. But at the same time, knowing what I know about human motivation, a person might have every intention of sharing something, but they will just forget about it. And so by saying, hey, do it in the next three days or something, I'll send you this bonus. That's just a way of creating a sense of urgency and motivation for people to do hopefully what they would do naturally. Some great ideas. One of the things that our listeners love, Derek, are mistakes. What can you share with us about mistakes that you find authors make when it comes to marketing? A few mistakes that I already covered were basically not having the book optimized, right? That's the cover, that's the title, that's the description. Another mistake, if we tie this into ads, I actually saw this. I had a guy who reached out to me for help with advertising. So I actually ran ads for him. I think I spent about three or four bucks on the ad campaign so far. And then he wanted to quit. He wanted to stop. And the reason why was I had like bids on some of these keywords for like a dollar or something. And he's like, that's too much. If I had any idea that you were going to be bidding that much, I, I wouldn't do it. And I'm sitting here scratching my head going, he was starting to make more money than I was spending. So in my mind, I'm very simple. If you put in a dollar and you get a dollar and one cent back, at least you just made money. That's all good. But it couldn't get past this idea like, oh, you're wanting to spend a certain amount or it's focusing on the cost of something. And so the mistake is more of a mindset of are you looking at how much something costs or are you looking at it as an investment, what you're getting in return? So to give a practical example, what's more expensive, a $5 book cover or a $500 book cover? My response to that is, I don't know. Depends on which one's going to generate you more sales because if the $5 book cover means you don't make any sales from that book. It actually costs you money. It costs you all that money that you put into the editing, into the $5 cover design, into your time and your energy. That just that made all that go to waste. That was a very expensive $5 cover. But if the $500 cover leads to thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in additional book sales, which is not far-fetched when you consider the impact that uh, book covers can have, not only was the $500 cover cheaper, so to speak, it actually 
made you money. It was an investment. You got a return. Now, most of the time, it's not going to be that extreme between the two, but that's how a lot of things need to be approached is not what does it cost, it's what does it get me in return. And this is probably pretty obvious and natural for people who think like that, for those who are very entrepreneurial, who are in the investment world. But I've noticed, I mean, for myself, it was a learning curve to start adopting that way of thinking because the short-term idea is, oh, I'm just looking at what this is going to take out of my wallet. I'm not looking at what it might put back into my wallet. That's one of multiple mindset mistakes, I would say, from maybe a more practical marketing standpoint. Just tying into what we talked about, I was just on a coaching call with a client and she brought up something in the past for her that I've heard a number of times. And that is this kind of fear or hesitancy around asking, asking your readers for a review, asking for a favor, asking for an introduction. The belief is kind of like, well, that's going to be annoying. I'm going to be like, I'm needy. I'm imposing on them. I'm annoying them. I'm asking for something, but not giving them anything in return, so on and so forth. I look at it and I go, well, have you ever enjoyed talking about something that you love? Have you ever enjoyed raving about a movie that you saw that you feel like you want your friends to go see or a restaurant that you've been to? There's this belief that asking someone for something or asking them to share their thoughts or their feedback on, on what they loved about your book or something is somehow going to be imposing. What if people actually want to talk about it? And what if you frame it as by them sharing their review, it's going to inspire others who are going to benefit in the same way that they've benefited? I want to tell people, I feel good telling people about the things that have helped me in my life, including the books. One thing is just looking at those false assumptions, but even them, if I get more practical and strategic about it, there's a way of asking, which is more kind of like a demand, like you got to leave a review for this book. And then there's a way of doing it that is much more non-needy, much more friendly, but it's like, if you enjoyed this book, I would love to hear your thoughts or what you liked about it. Why I would greatly appreciate if you left a review on Amazon and it's okay if you don't. That's the energy that you're coming from. Like, it's okay if you don't. If you feel inspired to, I would appreciate it. When you come from that place where you're not being needy, but you're still making the request, then most people, in my experience, are totally fine with it. I've never had in my entire life anyone be like, how dare you ask me if I would leave a review, <laughs> right? Because I don't push it, but it's like, hey, if you'd be open to sharing your thoughts. And I even said, like, like you can give people the option to say if you hated it. I'd love to know what you thought about the book. If you loved it, if you hated it, if you'd want something to be different, it's, it's all good. Feel free to let me know. And you can ask people to reply in an email that way and get their honest feedback. And just ask yourself, do people like to share their opinions? People are airing their opinions for free all day on Facebook and social media. So you're just giving them another vehicle to talk about how they feel about something. And then if they happen to say that they loved your book, then you, you can make a very simple request of, hey, you know, it would mean the world to me if you, if you share this on, on Amazon, if you're, if you're open to doing that. I would say not asking, and that's not just reviews. That's one example. It's so many things in life that you're just, you might just be an ask away if you're willing to do it. And I think it comes down also to a belief that what you have is valuable to people, that your book is going to help people. It's going to entertain people. It's going to help them. It's going to change their lives. Your role is to get it into as many people's hands as possible so they can benefit. We can go deeper on mistakes, but those are at least a couple off the top of head. 
Those are great. And a couple of things. First of all, I hope you're going to feel very inspired and excited to share this podcast recording with your friends and followers. But if you don't feel like it, well, that's okay too. The other thing is that you said for people to share how they feel and if they don't like it, to share that. Because I remember having one guest who actually said it's good to have four-star reviews look suspicious if it's only five-star reviews. So having somebody who brings the average down a little bit is okay. And asking, that was one of the hardest things for me to do, is to learn to ask people for help. And as you say, people want to help. They really do. Very rarely do they turn you down. Derek, you've been sensational, and I know our listeners will want to know more about how they can get in touch with you, about your services. Take it away. I covered a few of the mistakes. I have a book called Why Authors Fail, and it goes through the 17 mistakes that I see authors make that sabotage their success, and more importantly, how to fix them. That's where I get into some more granular detail on book marketing strategies, some of the mindset things, as well as just practical, here's step-by-step, some things that you can do to sell your books. And so this is for free. Uh, For any of you listening, go to bestsellersecrets.com. Again, bestsellersecrets.com. That's where you download Why Authors Fail. And then that's also access to the newsletter where I share ongoing tips and resources to help authors. Fantastic. And I'll put that in the show notes as well, so that if people are listening to this and can't write it down, they can find it in the show notes. And Derek, if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? If there's only one thing that you can do to sell more books or achieve success as an author, because I think about all the different pieces to put together of the puzzle, And sometimes if you just have even one piece missing, the whole thing can fall apart. And I go, okay, if there's only one thing I could recommend, the most universally helpful thing would be to get a mentor. Get someone who knows the process, who can guide you through it, who can see the pitfalls that might be coming up, who can offer words of encouragement. Just talking to a coaching client, she felt like something uh, was not a success. And I pointed out, actually, her numbers were really good. (laughs) So it's like, Oh, I, I didn't know that. So having a mentor who can guide you through the process, point out the mistakes, give you the steps, and also help you figure out what you do not need to do to help keep you focused, that would be the biggest recommendation I can get for anyone serious about making it as a thriving author. What a wonderful way to end this. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being our mentor this week. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.